Hey everyone, welcome to the Parallel Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Stickle, joined by my co-host, Tim Tribble. Every week, we come alongside you and your organization, helping you grow personally and corporately as well. We believe there are eight growth points that really impact the future of your organization. Not just one growth point, but eight. Those eight again are the leader must grow, the leadership team must grow, the systems must grow, the numbers must grow, the finances must grow, the expectations must grow, the facilities must grow, as well as the culture must grow. Today, we're gonna be focusing on growing your team with a great guest, our friend, Pastor Brandon Why don't you introduce Brandon. Yeah, absolutely. So as Pastor Kelly said, today we're talking about growing your teams. And Brandon Stewart is a leader of Leading Second. My wife and I have had actually an opportunity to be part of this ministry. And let me tell you, uh, we just recently went to one of their camps. And it honestly, what it did for us was put us back into the student chair. No matter how many years we've been in ministry, it put us back into the learning seat. It's like, okay, I've still got more to learn. I've still got ways to grow. And um, his ministry has just taken off both nationally and internationally. And he is being infectious and allowing teams to grow to their next level in supporting their first chair leaders. So he began to see real changes leaders in the middle were facing and launched Leading Second in 2018. And through resources, coaching, and events, Leading Second exists to equip and engage community and uncommon church builders. So without any further ado, you're going to want to listen in on this. Let's get to it. Well, hey, Brandon, welcome back to GoCast. So good to see you, my friend. Hey, so good to be back. Uh, love you guys so much. Thanks for the chance to come and talk. You've had a, quite an eventful year, man, like ministry-wise, but most uh, a, a little event happened family-wise. You guys had another <laughs> baby, and then that got, that kind of, that was uh, a bit of an adventure. So you guys are, everyone's healthy and yeah. doing well. Yeah, we, we are doing well. You know, pre-COVID, uh, we traveled about 250 days a year or so for ministry. And then we had about a seven month, you know, travel shut down with, for all the obvious reasons in 2020. And I didn't ever quite figure it out, but apparently when you stay home and you stop traveling, you get pregnant is what I learned. Uh, so <laughs> we, I came home, my, my first trip back from the COVID shutdowns, fall of 2020, uh, I came home to my wife, uh, sick on the couch saying open the gift i got for you on the dining room table and it was a positive pregnancy test so yes there was that we are 40 and uh we are back into uh baby land again and then yes you're referencing uh we also apparently don't do anything that's not dramatic so our daughter came uh early at 29 weeks gestation she came um 11 weeks early and we spent 51 days in the NICU with her. It was, it was hairy at the beginning, but God was really faithful to our family. And today she is uh, 10 months old. She is healthy. She is strong. She is thriving. So we're praising God for that. Awesome. And all, I mean, all the timing of that too. Like imagine having to be on the road while all of that's going on or yeah, ministry 51 days, you know, in the NICU. That's a, that's a big time to... Well, I had another another five yeah. month shutdown on top of the seven month shutdown. So God really, God really saw to it that our family took a seat, you know, for a little over a year. That was our 2020, yeah. 2021 story. You know, God really um, allowed us some time to rest and recalibrate. And now it's like we're back. Ministry's full on. We're full of faith. But He definitely pushed the pause button on us for a little bit uh, in that season. 
Yeah, well, that leads us into our, our conversation today. Just a reminder to all of our audience that your ministry, of course, is Leading Second. And if those are watching or listening aren't aware of Leading Second, where have you been? Um, you need to get on the ba- <laughs> You need to get in the loop at leadingsecond.com and an incredible podcast, one of my favorite podcasts of all, uh, Leading Second podcast. But, and your ministry, I, I admire it so much. A huge uh, raving fan of it. I push all of my staff. I pay attention to all of it, but and and take as much information as I can as well. Uh, but it's talking about leading from the middle, and ninety nine percent of all leaders, if we're honest, like lead from the middle, where we we're being led while at the same time we're leading uh, others. So you, as we talk about recalibration in this season, you've been specifically working on developing your skills to to lead from the middle. And what I love about you and your ministry is that you've given. I don't know, a pride, uh, uh, an ownership to to leading from the the middle. I think too often leadership is is viewed as well. You got to be at the top in order to lead. That's right. That's not true. Uh, we're all called to influence and lead, and leading from the middle is again ninety nine percent of us are doing it. So, so I've heard you talk about the realization you've had that in order to earn the trust of your leader and at the same time build a great team. Uh, and you're able to build a great team if you're in the trust of your leader. That's all part and parcel. But you had to first develop your own leadership and recognize that you're not developing your leadership when you get a position, you're developing it all along. So let's focus on that in our discussion today and how to grow yourself in your skills, attitudes, capacity, disciplines, uh, in particular to lead from the middle. Because I guarantee you 99% of our audience, probably 99.9, are at some, some way or not leading from the middle. So let's talk culture first. We've all heard that culture trumps vision, um, but how do you stay culturally connected with your leader? Culture is um, caught, not taught. You're right. We can all do our best to teach it in growth track or you know whatever your church's membership and team building pipelines look like. Uh, but at the end of the day, culture is lived. And culture is caught by a leader's followers. So the the first and foremost way to me answering your question is you have to catch it from your leader. Right. You you can listen for what they say. You can listen for the the um you know the crumbs they drop in every message that are indicators of their heart and culture and culture of the house. But in reality, in reality, you need uh, proximity. I don't just right. mean you have to be over to their house for lunch every day or something like that. I mean, you need heart proximity towards your leader. You need to have a heart inclined to absorbing um, what your leader is saying on and off the platform. You can grab culture from your leader on every Zoom call. You can, excuse me, you can grab culture uh, from your leader um, watching them lead a staff meeting. You know, I I now get the opportunity to coach churches all over North America. Um, and I'll tell you where I learned culture is I learned culture from about seven or eight years of sitting after Saturday night service and listening to my pastor debrief on the service. Like mm. it, 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 it was, a there was a big group of us that were always in there just talking through things, but the rabbit trails over six or seven years of that, that was my training ground for now how we're helping other churches, 
other places. Does that make sense? My, my, my pastor never sat down and had a conversation saying, today I'm going to teach you culture. It was an, a heart inclination. I wanted to be in their airspace in those moments as much as I could so I could catch it. What was on that them. makes that makes so much sense because because oftentimes I mean listening not to the pre-programmed lessons or the 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 teachings necessarily but listening to you know what is what comes up regularly that is going to share what's really most important to them what they debrief right. on is you're going to see what they really value um or are really emphasize you're going to catch all those things and I think I think when it comes to culture. There's been a lot of teaching on on culture uh, of late, Fair but I think enough. a lot yeah. of times when people I talk to about culture, and and you alluded to this, and I just want to pull on this thread for a second, but I think too much emphasis is put on um, what is spoken and what is talked about and too little emphasis put on behavior, because really behavior is going to, is going to override what is said anyway, and you're going to... By, by getting into proximity, like you're saying to your leader, you're going to see behaviors that are even, I think, even deeper or yes. more transparent than, than what is even spoken. Would you agree? Absolutely. And I'll tell you, um, I have often not waited for my pastor to come my direction on this. Like if I wanted to have a heart inclined toward them and be in their airspace. If I wasn't getting the invitation, I found my way into their world. Now, let me explain what I mean, because I'm not talking about stalking here or something like that, okay? (laughs) But what I've been known to do over the years is contact their assistant and say, can I drive Pastor Kevin to the airport on his next trip? Can I wash his car on Saturday morning and fill it up with gas so that it's ready for Sunday morning? You know, can I find ways to meet practical needs in their life? My my motive was I just want to have enough airspace around you so I can catch what's on you. Now, in those air, those airport car rides, it's not like I had an agenda. It's not like, you know, we talked shop or made a bunch of church decisions. Sometimes we talked about hunting. He's a hunter. You know, sometimes we talked about, you know, various things with their family, but then other times we talked ministry. And I'll just say like line on line, year after year, being in my pastor's airspace and meeting physical needs for them, it allowed what was on them to just spill over onto my life. And right now we're in a culture that's degrading that place, by the way. There's a whole segment of young leaders that view like picking up their pastor at the airport at midnight or something as like violence or like, you know, like, like a abu- spiritual abuse or something. And and it just couldn't be farther from the truth. Like those were the, right. so I, I literally drove my pastor to the airport on Christmas morning one year. Okay. You want to, you want to, I know I didn't have kids at the time. I, I, you know, I was ma- newly married. It was 6am and thank God I have a wife who was like, absolutely go take them to the airport. You know, they had been home for Christmas Eve. They need to get out. I'm just saying like going the extra mile, it's really downplayed in our, in our younger culture today. But those were the moments where it's like, I caught it. I caught their heart. I caught how they behaved, how they lived their lives, what their heart was for our church. And, um, that was a thousand to one over moments where he sat and taught me fill in the blanks in a session somewhere, you know, about who we were as a church. Right. And I mean, that, I mean, you look through the Bible and the, the, the greatest leaders 
were those who sat in proximity with a leader. That's you know, right. Joshua in proximity with Moses for years, right? You know, um, Elisha with Elijah. I mean, the disciples with Jesus. They, I mean, they they lived his, you know, with him, lived life with him, right. breathed the air. Like it's. I wonder what they learned, and you can see what they learned later. But what they learned between the teachings was as important or more important than the teachings that they they saw. So that's that's really really. Uh, really good. So everyone listening, go stock your leader. There, that's that's the go the stock your leader. And by the way, if your direct report is not your pastor, if your direct report is an executive leader in your church or a departmental leader yeah. in your church, what if you just applied the same thing to them? I mean, we use the word pastor here a lot, and I use that word a lot in our ministry leading second. But let's be honest, sometimes. You know, I, I'm I'm direct reporting to somebody else. Man, just approach any leader in your life with that spirit. Catch what's on them. Catch their alignment with the house. Um, you, you could you could do that several places in the organization, right? And I, I'd even encourage like like to hear your thoughts on this too. But but it'd be dangerous if you have a direct report and you bypass your direct report to go to yes the big guy. Like that's yes. that's probably not the best either. I mean, if you'd serve your your direct report first, I mean, get get their culture, their heart. Uh, hey, first. you know, at the end of the day, Pastor Kelly, we have to decide: are we in this for the approval of our pastor or the approval of God? I mean, let's let's just cut so to the good. chase. Like, are we Absolutely. in this to be noticed by man, or you know, receive our reward in in heaven? You got to settle that. And and to me, if you settle that the the biblical way, the kingdom way, you'll be just fine. You know, yeah. supporting and and throwing your weight behind another leader in the organizational chart, regardless if your pastor ever sees it. So you just got to settle that issue, and the rest will all fall into line. Yeah, so good. All right, let's talk about preferences because we talk about serving and getting proximity with with our leader, and what what ends up happening is we have uh, a preference conflict. <laughs> this. We're human beings, so this happens. So we each have our own preferences on how we do things. So what do you do when your preference conflicts with your leader or other team members? That's such a good question. It, you know, none of us were ever asked to check our brains at the door, right? I mean, you're you're a pastor. Do you do you need your team showing up as a as a bunch of yes men and women? Definitely no, not. not. No, yeah, no, no. That was never the ask of of ministry leadership to just validate every idea that I have. You probably shouldn't be in an environment where that is the request. Okay. So, so that's not, that's not the MO. Um, That being said, you've already mentioned trust. Your relationship with your pastor moves at the speed of trust. Trust is built over the long haul. Trust is, uh, what is it? It's gained in drops and lost in buckets. I mean, you, you, you gain it slowly over time. But let me maybe illustrate it like this. I believe this is a Stephen Covey principle. Uh, maybe some listening have heard it. Uh, there is a sometimes a great discrepancy between what is called your circle of concern. Imagine a big circle, a circle of concern yep. versus a smaller circle inside of it, your circle of influence. Your circle of concern, that big circle in your life, is the circle. Everything inside that circle matters to you. These are the things that you want to weigh in on. These are the decisions you want to help make. These are the things you want to help lead. They matter to you. They hit your passion points. They hit your experience and your skill. You know, These are the things I could really help 
with this thing if I was asked. Everything inside the circle of concern would be described that way. But then there's a smaller circle on the inside of that that's called your circle of influence. And those are the things you can actually do something about. Those are the decisions right. you're actually getting you know, brought into. So one tricky place, Pastor Kelly, that we need to learn to navigate is when things fall outside of our circle of influence, but inside our circle of concern. In other right. words, we, we see things happening, but we're not asked to weigh in on them. Or like you're referencing, um, our, we're at the table or we're involved in the decision and we would we would go right but my pastor wants to go left and doesn't doesn't really see my take of why we need to go right i would i would speculate you're in that you're in that in between zone you're in that in between zone of it's inside your concern but it's outside of your influence it's just a tricky place for for a leader because you're not asked to leave those opinions at the door but how do you manage and how do you i've first of all come to the major revelation in my life that it is my pastors who will ultimately stand before god and answer for how they pastored and stewarded our church in this day that is not primarily the thing that i will stand before god for that is that is that is their uh, place of leadership to whom much is given, much is required. You know, the Bible warns us even against desiring that because you bring upon yourself a stricter judgment. So they are held to account for that. And when I started to realize that and let that revelation sink in, I started to give myself some permission. Like, like I can actually thrive in an organization where the decisions don't always go my way because that's that's where they're held accountable. Where I'm held accountable for is how did I align with honor and submit to godly authority in my life. I believe that's yeah. as a second chair leader going to be my primary place of accountability when it comes to my ministry someday in eternity. I just settled it. I settled the 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 score on that, I guess in my heart and realized I yeah. can thrive even when we don't always go the direction I think we should go. The other thing I do though, Pastor Kelly, is I also then put a lot of work into building trust and growing my circle of influence, growing that small circle in the middle. I figure if I stay at it and if I stay consistent and I go the distance, eventually my circle of influence is going to catch up to the things that I want to help out in. I have been known to sit on a conversation I've wanted to have with my pastor. I don't know if you'll ever hear me say this. I've never said it to his face. Uh, I've been known to sit on conversations for two, three, four years sometimes, realizing right. I'd love to weigh in on this, but my time has not yet come. And rather than get frustrated by that, get all bitter and backwards and leave, no, I'm actually going to stay in place. I'm going to build trust. I'm going to grow my circle of influence. And what I'm finding now that I'm old, you know, now that I'm 40 and, you know, been at this for a minute, I'm actually finding myself at the the table in the moments I have for a long time wanted to be at. And right. I'm finding God using me in that way. Maybe, maybe this is better timing uh, for me to be in those moments. Does that make sense? Like, like, like take it from uncle B here, like, like play the long game when it comes yeah. to your church and leadership and just settle the score. I'm here. God planted me here. I can align even when the decision-making is imperfect. And if you'll just build enough trust, watch how God will bring you to the very moment you're believing him to, to, to help, to steward, uh, to help make decisions. It'll happen, uh, but it won't happen if you check out and get out of the game too early. 
So good. That's so good. And, and I love the, um, I believe it was Covey, that the circle of concern. And I'd love that. It, would that be a, that'd be so good if people followed that in their social media habits. That would be wonderful. <laughs> they the only way in, They'd only weigh in their circle of concern when it had to do with oh. their circle of influence. That would be amazing if we y'all going to get us on another topic there, Pastor Kelly. Yeah. That's a whole nother bother. <laughs> but we, but I mean, with that though, we live in a society that it constantly and continually steps outside of their circle of influence. That's right. Be, and and shares their concern, and they don't have the influence to do that. And then you, when you do that, you you basically you lose that trust, which is what I hear That's you right. saying. You step out of that, and and trust is lost very quickly. And, so I mean, there really is there really is a healthy way to to challenge the process, and an unhealthy way to challenge the process. So let's say you know you you have an opportunity to weigh in on uh, uh, you know an expectation or a preference on that kind of thing. What's a healthy way to challenge the process, and what is an unhealthy way? Yeah, that's a good question. First of all, I would say you you have to consider the foundation you're standing on. Have I built a foundation in this house that I am here, I am with you, that I am willing to champion ideas I didn't come up with? Like, do are you standing on that foundation? Because if yeah. you're not, you're on ri- a risky foundation. To me, a solid foundation is one where your pastor knows, like, I am with you full stop. Like, there is no second guessing to this you don't need to worry you don't need to worry about my attitude you know that that if we don't go you know my direction i'm not going to be pouty you know i'm not going to walk around the stat the office where everybody knows about it you know that that kind of thing no i i have a track record of of you know the right behavior in those moments so i would say first of all consider the foundation you're you're standing on i would also say this is where humility is your strength you you want to present ideas when you're leading up. You want to present them with the utmost humility. Mm. The last thing, you, your pastor needs strength, but they don't need a know-it-all. So the last yeah. thing they need is someone coming in lo- more loyal to their idea than they are the house. You know, wow, so and good. and um, when you're presenting your ideas up, you want to present them laced and drenched in humility. You know, you want your pastor to implicitly know this is something I'm wrestling through. This is an idea that I have that I think would benefit us. I would avoid the God card. You know, I would avoid say, God really told me this is what we should do. Well, who's going to argue with God? Like, like you really take a lot of collaboration off the table when you, you know, when you pull the God card or God spoke to me, that's really hard to work with. Um, and other people could have heard from God too, you know. So it's yeah, just, yeah. I'd I'd be lacing it with humility. I'd be presenting ideas as ideas rather than facts, you know. Just present it for your consideration, Pastor, and realize again this is another long game. In time, your pastor will begin to see, man, this leader not just has good ideas, but they have good fruit around their ideas. And just the, the more fruit you bear that is, that is good fruit, the more you'll see your pastor lean into moments where you do lead up. Yeah, so good. I, I've heard it said that, you know, the, that conflict is the space between what we expect and what we experience. 
And so there's a lot of times where, you know, lead as leaders and especially leaders in the middle that we have unmet expectations or we have experiences that don't meet our expectations. So talk to us about how to keep our, you know, your heart in check when you're dealing with an unmet expectation. Maybe, maybe my leader isn't moving fast enough on such and such a decision or, right. you know, maybe, you know, a team member isn't growing enough in this area and it's reflecting bad on me or, or maybe I see a you know a red flagging going. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't you know and and you know the rest of the team loves the idea and we got this this tension there. So how do you how do you deal with the unmet expectations and and those kind of things and how do you keep your heart in check? Yeah. So the first thing I would say is that confrontation. One thing it does in you personally is it reveals uh, your emotional health. It yeah. reveals where you're at on the inside primarily. None of us love confrontation. It bothers every single one of us, but your personal soul health will matter greatly in how you handle confrontation. In other words, if you're not well and your stress level is already up near your threshold, you know, one moment in need for confrontation could put you over and you're firing off at people, you know, and you're behaving really poorly. <clears throat> So I think just realize first and foremost that it really is determined by your own health. In other words, every leader needs rhythms of renewal. Every leader needs spaces regularly where you're where you're letting off some steam, you know, where you you are taking care of you, where you are leading so yourself. Well, every leader needs to know how they recharge. And there's different ways that different leaders recharge, but however you recharge, you better make sure that is a habit, that is a rhythm. You know, that is something that is ironclad into your schedule because confrontation is totally different when you're dealing with someone who's emotionally healthy versus someone who's emotionally unhealthy. And yeah. I would just say, man, it, it, team health starts with me on this yeah. and I'm going to take care of me. Um, I mean, I have lived under sustained seasons where I didn't see eye to eye with my pastor on a decision or things like that. I mean, sustained seasons where I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying I'm like, massively out of alignment here. I mean, sometimes I've had to stand up and champion an idea where I would have done it differently, you know, and that, right. that has a weight to it over time. But if that builds up in me and if that's building on unhealthy things in me, unmet needs for approval or unmet needs for significance or achievement, or if that's, if that stuff's landing on that space, um, I can get to a place where I'm not good. So I guess I've just seen it as my job first and foremost like take care of me. I, the greatest gift I offer to my pastor is a healthy version of me, you know? And, and then from there, I think we can employ good skills around confrontation, around timing of conversations. You're not going to be quite as quick to the trigger to, to confront something when you're able to really wisely process it out. I, I'm hoping that's that so answers good. your question, but I, I really yeah. feel like that's a foundational issue that a lot of leaders don't understand at times. Yeah, that's so good. Uh, yeah, I love that. I uh, know uh, observation that I've made with with leadership is that a lot of times we put too much emphasis as leaders on our own skills and and talents, and I think we put that same projection of of too much weight or emphasis on talent and skills on our teams. But one thing that I've noticed has derailed more leaders than the lack of skill or talent is insecurity. I don't think there's anything more dangerous 
to our own leadership and to leaders in general than insecurity. And the truth is we all have them. Like we all have our insecurities one way or another. So how do you deal with uh, your own insecurities as a leader? Well, I got to say this with a lot of humility because this is, you know, pot talking to kettle here. You know, this is, <laughs> you know, high speck of dust. My name is Plank. You know, like, like I'm the chief of sinners on this. This has been my journey, you know, over the years has been to realize that the starting points in ministry for me were that I was looking um, for my pastor to feel unmet needs for approval from me. Mm. Like that's just the, the, the bottom line to say it. I, my, my desire for leadership went beyond a healthy, holy desire. And it went into something that was personally, you know, fulfilling or an attempt to fill something in me. It took me a long time to see it. And maybe my prayer in us having this conversation right now is that it won't take somebody else as long to see it yeah. because there was an ache and that's the best way I know how to describe it. But it was like, there was an ache in my heart that I just didn't, I didn't know what it was and it would show up when I didn't get the opportunity I wanted, you know, or when somebody else got picked, you know, first for the team, so to speak or whatever. It's like that ache, you know, was there. And, um, I know for me, it took, it took therapy, it took counseling mm. and I am on a personal mission in my life to debunk any sort of stereotypes that exist in leadership conversations around, around the need for help, real professional help when you need it. Like if you are not well, it is okay to raise your hand and say, I'm not doing so well that is a much better situation by the way than your leader having to come to you and sideline you like you've mentioned taking people out it's just so much better when you're able to raise your hand and ask for help proactively now i understand not all therapy and counseling is is created equal i happen to have a spirit-filled you know, believer who works with people in ministry, who's also a therapist who I meet with on Zoom. So like, that's a blessing. You know, that's a safe place. I know at the end of the day, she's going to affirm my ministry call, not talk me out of it, you know? Yeah. And and so who you go to matters. Yeah. But I'm just saying like, sometimes it's beyond you. Sometimes you need the help of, of someone to, to walk alongside you. In the, and the, the, the tough part is, Pastor Kelly, is that as lead pastors, oftentimes, um, I mean, sometimes you can help and speak into it, but sometimes um, there's need for someone else. Absolutely. I would say every leader, every second chair leader needs a personal team. You need, you, need, you need a certain number of people around you that know everything going on with you, where you're at, and can call you on it when you're not doing well. Yeah. And I would just ask you who's on your personal team. Your pastor can have one seat on the team, but who are the other members of your team that that have eyes on you and access to you? Because um, that was the space that I finally dealt with my insecurities. And once it's settled, it's it's been settled. I mean, my heart is very different, cleaner place today. And that, and you know what? I have found I've been able to contribute so much more to the vision of our house uh, because I'm trusted to come into those places, and it's not always about me anymore. I'm not the one getting butt hurt all the time anymore, you know, uh, because I got free, 
And maybe, maybe for a leader in ministry, maybe that's the greatest work God will ever do is not a work through you, but a work in you to bring you great freedom to that from that place. That's so, so well said and, and so important. And I, I would venture to guess um, that when you got free is all of a sudden there was a shift in, in the trust that you talk about with your leaders and more opportunity came your way um, at the same time. Would that be correct? Yeah. Yes, it, it definitely happened that way. And um, I find myself today in moments and in conversations and in situations where um, I always wanted to be. Um, but I would say it that happened for me after I got my eyes off of those things. Like I'm right. not in therapy so that I can get the next opportunity. Like I really had to no, settle yep. some things. You yep. know, I really had to settle some things like I'm going to get free to be free. Right. And God actually really brought me to a season where he brought me to my knees in some ways, you know, saying, yeah. I want to do a great work through you. But before I get there, I have to do a great work in you. Actually, probably one of the most trying seasons of my life, Pastor Kelly, was the season immediately before we started leading second. It was like God was lining up everything we would need to start the ministry of our dreams. But right before that, it got difficult for me because he really brought me to a season where he had to deal with some stuff in me to get ready get me ready for the next chapter, you know? So it happened for me when I got my eyes off of the achievement, off of the opportunity, and I just focused on Christ and the work he wanted to do in my life. And I found that he was there. He was loving. He was speedy about it. He was willing to do it. And um, it's just the greatest work that God's ever done in me, I guess, is bring me freedom to that place. But it truly happened when I got my eyes off of, oh, I'm just doing this to get the next opportunity or something like that. That's so, so good. It's interesting in Psalm 23 where, where David writes, and we, we read it and we memorize it and we've known it so long that we miss it, but where he says, restore my soul. And yes. we forget that soul is mind, will, and emotions. And it's like, he, he's praying, he's asking, he's like, you're restoring my my soul, my mind, will, and emotions. And that's a prayer. That's yep. that's saying, God, lead me here. This is where I, because this is going to restore us there. And we, we, I mean, that's yep. laying down all of the pride and David being one of the greatest leaders ever, um, was crying out for the restoration of his soul too. So I, I think that well, well, well said, uh, Brendan, thanks for your vulnerability on that too. And I think if someone needs to hear this is that a lot of times the battle that we're dealing with, we focus on developing our skills and our talents for the next opportunity, but sometimes it's our own insecurity. That's the roadblock and standing in the way. So Man, yeah, well, well you know, said. please, if if you're a leader, please work on your skills. Like no one, <laughs> yes, you know, it's important. <laughs> you know, if you're a worship leader, like please take voice lessons. You know, yeah. like no one, no one wants to listen to non-voice lessons. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I get it, I get it, right? Skill is so important, but in my matrix of working with leaders that I've developed over the years, skill development is the last place I get to with leaders. Right. Like to me, most of my conversations deal with other topics like alignment, capacity, you know, those kind of things. So please work on your skill. Just realize it is not often the primary issue to why you may or may not be moving forward in your ministry journey. So good. This is so good. I've got a couple questions here for you yet. And then, um, We'll wrap this up, but I, speaking about capacity, um, that's another big hot topic for a lot of leaders, and and again, something that is not often taught or or emphasized. So, in capacity, how do you? I mean, how do you 
grow capacity, but in particular, how do you deal with exhaustion and, and avoid burnout and I don't know, enlarge capacity? Well, the first thing I'd want to say about, um, burnout and exhaustion is, um, in my opinion, you need to ditch balance and embrace rhythm. Okay. So good. I do not believe, sorry if this messes up anyone's theology. I do not believe that balance is achievable for leaders. Okay. I don't see balance in the Bible. I don't see it in the disciples call. Balance is not what led Jesus to the cross. I mean, I just, I, Jesus literally said, you'll find your life when you'll lose it. If you love your brother and sister more than me, you're not worthy of me. I mean, <laughs> yeah, those are yeah. kind of out of balance statements. Would we all agree? Like, yes. like, and I could exegete those for us and talk to us just about some of those leadership statements from Jesus. But the bottom line is a perfect life is not probably in the cards for a leader. I do believe that what I see in, in scripture is I see rhythm. I believe every area of your life can have a healthy rhythm to it. Going all the way back to creation, when we see God in creator mode, is we see rest built in as a healthy rhythm in creation. And you will be at your best when your marriage is in rhythm, when your physical health is in rhythm, when your parenting is in rhythm, when your work life is in rhythm. So I look at it more through that lens of, of how do I get every area of my life in rhythm? One of my major rhythms I focus on are rhythms of renewal. And do I have the space I need regularly to stay healthy, to get healthy, to have fun, you know, to rest time with my wife, my kids. So rhythms of renewal would be, would be a big deal. But you ask about capacity. Capacity, um, how you grow your capacity is different for everybody. It is different depending on maybe your place of the team or how you need to go to the next level. But let's maybe talk about what capacity is. Number one, capacity is determining how much you can handle. Uh, capacity is determining how fast you can run. And it's also determining how healthy you can stay while you run. I mean, right. I... I would have the capacity to do like a, maybe a four or five minute mile, which is what the top, you know, marathon runners in the world run, you know, I'd have capacity to do that. Well, probably no miles, but maybe one mile, you know, like maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe I could sprint and, and get one, you know, get one out, but like they have a different capacity to be able to do that for 26 miles. So capacity is a tricky thing to, to diagnose because it's, it's, um, if you'll notice not very many leadership books written on it, it's a right. tough thing to kind of nail down, but you'll know it in terms of how, how much you can handle, how fast you can run, but how healthy you can stay while you run. Here's another definition for you. I heard an early mentor of mine say this capacity in life is being determined by what's called the law of hard, mm. the law of hard. And the law of hard goes like this. Whatever you find too hard in life is defining you. Wow. Whatever you find too hard. Okay, so let's let's talk to a team member and let's say a team member is listening today and you're having uh, difficulty with another team member. They're the one that your hope is like 
like, I hope they're listening to this podcast today. You know, it's that person right there. And you're having difficulty with them and you're struggling with them, but you refuse to confront them. You refuse to have the conversation. And when asked, hey, why haven't you talked to so-and-so? Your answer is, oh, gosh, I don't know. It's just going to be so hard. Hard, yep. When you arrive at that moment, you've just found your lid. Like you've just found the thing that is holding you back. So to me, one way of growing your capacity is to confront what is too hard for you to do today, to, to confront that, to stretch in that area, to gain wisdom around that area, to push forward in that area. Because if that now becomes not hard at all in the future, you've just grown your capacity. I used to shy away from confrontation. Now I'm generally comfortable with confrontation, but that's because I learned to confront those areas, not run from them. So, so good, man. I I love that, 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 what a definition that is as far as capacity goes. And I, I think a lot of leaders are going, man, they're thinking, what, when did I, I've said that, when did I say that, what, what's that all <laughs> So I, I think that is really good. We've just lived through a season of, of hard. And if we've said too right. hard or this, all the rest of it, then we've, yeah, we've built our own fence and, and wall around us. So man, well, well said. I, Pastor Kevin says, um, Pastor Kevin Gerald all the time says, it's not the load that breaks you down. It's the way you carry it. So that's right. Yeah. In, in closing, is there, what are some personal disciplines that we can develop or that you've developed to help you carry the load better to, you know, like confrontation you talked about. I mean, there was a discipline, a practice that you put into place and saying, okay, I'm going to confront that. But what are some disciplines where you said, okay, no, I gotta, I gotta carry this better. So that's not too hard. So the the major rhythms that I have focused on have been built around the biblical qualifications to lead. Okay. Yeah. I figured the Bible has things to say about this. Yeah. And there's a lot of great practical leadership teaching out there. There's a lot of great books you can get your hands on. I'd even recommend some of them. But at the end of the day, as church leaders, the Bible is our authority. And so if there are biblical qualifications to lead, in in my opinion, we should be building healthy rhythms about all those things first. Right. So first and foremost is our ability to lead our families. Okay, mm-hmm. so I need healthy rhythms around leading my family. I, I am irresponsible if I'm successful in ministry and raising up spiritual sons and daughters, but my natural daughters, in my case, my daughters do not love the things of God. Okay, so, so healthy, my, my wife, same thing. So leading rhythms around leading my family. Yep. Um, there's laced into the biblical qualifications to lead are being faithful in doctrine, you know, yep. faithful with the word of God. Leadership is not about having a perfect U version plan with all the green check marks, you know, for a year. That's that's not uh, our call as leaders. Our call is to faithfully learn and apply the Word of God and rhythms around your time in the Word, rhythms around your study time, your ability to dive into the what were the original hearers hearing when this yeah. was said, and and how did it apply to them? Therefore, how does it apply to us? You know, the Bible can't mean to us what it did not mean to its original hearers, right. and 
You might be saying, well, those are great answers, but none of those have to do with leadership. Well, that's because you're looking at it through the lens of what you've heard from a corporate secular book on leadership. That stuff's fine and good, but if we don't lead at the heart of what scriptures asks us to lead, I believe we we risk some cracks in the foundation as church leaders. So I so would be true. going to first and second Timothy. I would yep. be going to Titus. Yep. I would be going to some of those places in scripture. I would be I, a good friend of mine, Larry Bry. Uh, from Elevation, we were hosting an event soon together. Um, I mean, he, I was telling him, man, God's been really lighting me up on first and second Timothy recently. I've been in it for like two weeks and it's awesome. And he goes, I've been in that book for two years, Brandon. (laughs) He's like, I haven't stopped reading that book for two years. And (laughs) so it kind of put me back in my place a little bit, you know, (laughs) and, and, but, but I started that there's something there for leaders that we need to understand. Absolutely. And I, I would, I would start there and I would see to it that every area where I'm biblically qualified to lead, I have a healthy rhythm on start there. And I think that'll map your life forward in a healthy way. That is so, so good. Yeah. And identifying those biblical things and saying, okay, I'm going to apply the rhythms there. I, I, I read a book, um, Last year, um, the power of engagement and a secular book about athletes, a, a coach on athletes, and one of the things that really stood out to me on on that one. It's an older book, but really good. But is is about managing your energy instead of managing your time, and yep. and putting yep. rhythms into your day and into your life and and managing that. And I, I don't know about you, but I find that time spent with God in in the disciplines and in the Word and all the rest of it, it actually it it energizes brings revelation, brings energy Absolutely. as well. And so those rhythms, I mean, they all apply and there's lots of secular things that we can do and apply as rest of it, but let's not neglect. Um, well, and I guess what I'm saying is you've all maybe heard that the acronym SOAP, you know, scripture, yeah. scripture, observation, application, prayer, I think it is. That, that is fine in certain contexts, but I'm going to argue that's not what I'm talking about here. No, yep. When I'm talking about about church leadership, I'm talking about an ability to understand the framework of the Bible, the audiences of the Bible, the context. I, I don't mean to belabor that point, but yep. I am finding myself leading better as a church leader when I understand proper context on the scriptural things we've been entrusted with. Right. You know, for our generation, the the whole point of the book of Second Timothy is Paul's final letter, by the way. It's yep. his final words, the great church builder, final words. And he emphasizes so much the passing down of the entrusted gospel, you know, from one generation yep. to the next. And so that is important for us, lest we lose it with people who are following us. So again, I would, I'd highly recommend, um, High performance habits. That's a book. I'd highly recommend emotionally healthy spirituality. You know, I'd highly yep. recommend the 360 degree leader by John Maxwell. I mean, um, Rocket Fuel, another yep. great book. There's all of those ones I could highly endorse and recommend. I just make sure they have their proper place in your diet. And your first call is to be a disciple first and be faithful in doctrine with what has been entrusted to us through the gospel. So good. Awesome, awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for your time today. But by the way, what is the best book you've read this last year? What's it, it is Rocket Fuel. Okay. Um, uh, is, on yeah. the topic of leadership, anyways, Rocket Fuel. It it describes uh, the two sides of the coin of leading in an organization: the visionary and the integrator. So you can see why I like it. Is it it describes a number one, number two relationship better than I think I've read in a long time. Um, I would so agree. That's, you recommended that's, that's that book to me. Right you recommended that book to me last year, and it has transformed 
me, our team, we've we've been we did a deep dive into it, and um, yeah, it defined that one. Read my mail more than any other book I think I've ever <laughs> read before, and then kind of filled in the blanks as to what I need. So, man, highly recommend that one's. Uh, uh, was it Gino Wickman? I think is the author of that one. Rock. I believe Peel? so. Yes. Yeah. So good. What problem were you trying to solve through it? What like what what stood out to you in that one? Um. I saw too many second chair leaders bumping their heads, not knowing what was expected of them. Mm. And um, it's just so plain and so clear. It's a very specific role. It may not be your role on the team. It's a very specific role. But for those yep. truly in executive number two spots, um, it helped me understand um, what that role looks like. I also lead an organization, keep in mind. So I'm, yeah, yeah. it's funny. I talk all about the second chair, but in my own ministry, I'm the first chair yeah. and I actually have people around me who are that now. And I had to learn how to get out of their way, you know? So I, it, it was both sided. I needed to, to kind of learn to master both sides of the, of the coin a bit, man. So good. Well, thank you so much again, Brandon. This has been gold. There's so much in here and I highly recommend all of you who enjoyed this to go back and listen and, and again, take some notes and, and man, apply a lot of this stuff. So much good in here. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate leading second again, leading second.com leading second podcast. Um, so, so good. Thank you so much, Brandon. Love you guys. Love your heart for leaders. Love your heart for the church. Uh, we, we admire you and Joylin so much. Thank you guys. Thanks again. Wow. What a great episode again. We're really blessed with the friends we have in ministry and men. We wanted to share that with you. What an amazing conversation. Brandon has so much wisdom, so much insight. Mm -hmm. Uh, Really, really, really good stuff. I love the ditch balance and embrace rhythm. Man, I'm I'm working on that. That's going to be so good. That balance is out the door. I'm done with it. Yeah, that's so good. What, What stood out to you? I loved him when he talked about the relationship with your pastor is built at the speed of your trust. You've never read the book, The Speed of Trust by Stephen R. Covey. It is an amazing book to give some insight into what, how fast you go with trust. And I think a lot of leaders are asking themselves, okay, I can see my pastor can direct a church, but am I giving him and how much allowance to direct my life? Yeah. Right? So good. And again, I challenge each one of you to look up Brandon's ministry, Leading Second. If you're not familiar with it, make yourself familiar with it. It is highly, highly beneficial. Uh, another point that really stood to me is capacity is determined by the law of hard. Man, that's so good. Whatever you find too hard is where your capacity lies. So I think an action step for all of us is let's inspect what is too hard, what what is too difficult, where that determines where our capacity is. Man, let's let's yeah, go inspect yeah, yeah, there. Yeah, the law of the lid, right? Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to Parallel Leaders and continuing to listen to this podcast. Make sure you grab the application guide for this episode on our website, parallelleaders.com, which includes a summary of our conversation and questions for group discussion. Man, we hope you feel inspired by the today's conversation. Not only just inspired, but better equipped personally and with your team to move forward. At the end of the month, we are going to continue the conversation with Growing Your Teams as I interview one of our listeners. You're not going to want to miss that conversation. I love those conversations. (laughs) So much fun getting to interview you as our listeners, and we encourage you to to submit questions. We'd love to interview you as well. Next month, we're going to be exploring how to grow your numbers, so don't miss that.
Yeah, so that comes to the end of this episode, guys. Don't forget to rate and review if you found this content helpful. And subscribe wherever you're consuming this content so that you make sure you never miss an episode. And we'll see you next time. Carla Wiggins. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Parallel Leaders, where we help you target and evaluate your organization, leadership, or growth department under the microscope of eight growth points to optimize your effectiveness as a leader.